0: On front page with me this morning, Annabelle Leem Malajekini, journalist, and uh, Ahmad Sohail Ahmad Atnan, journalist with the News Desk at Berita Haryan. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, yes. Uh, so this is big news. Um, Youth and Sports Minister Sait Sadiq Saith Abdurrahman has deemed groups threatened to get children in vernacular schools to skip classes to protest against the Jawi lessons as Bodo sombong. And of course, um, you know, now that group um, uh, want him to retract that remark or be sued by them. So, you know, first of all, as a minister, should you even be name-calling? Your thoughts, Annabelle?
1: Um, okay, I think before we get to the name-calling, I think it's important to understand kind of why Sait Sadiq sounds so frustrated right I mean if you read his tweet and you read his subsequent kind of replies to people commented on you know why he used Bodo Sombong he sounds really really frustrated because on one hand the government has engaged with a lot of these vernacular school groups and you know given a lot of concessions they've halved the lessons they've made it optional you know now the PTAs the PIBG can decide what they want to do but at the same time the the groups have continued to um, oppose this which I also believe is their freedom of speech to be able to voice their views Mm -hmm. you can't just label people something uh, especially when you're in position of power when they disagree with you because that in many ways can be read as intimidation so I think um, if they really want to have a proper conversation about this uh, a measured conversation about this that doesn't explode in every way then I guess using labels like this does not help you know talk about it right
0: (laughs) what are your thoughts (laughs) as well I think
2: it becomes an issue because it's from a minister. I think if I call the the, the, the group bodo or arrogant or something like that, I think it it's, it's okay because I have to say that whatever this group, uh, their demand is okay because they want, they just want to meet, to discuss with the, the ministry. But the way they do it, you know, uh, taking the children's education into their, you know, you're your, your, your asking for them to skip classes. That's, that's, Stupid and arrogant, Mm. you know? I I think the word arrogance is the the right word for them. Foolish arrogance. Yes, but it's just because it's come from a a minister, so it's become an issue.
0: Uh, Do you feel there should be some action taken by Pakatan Harpan against Said Sadiq? Definitely no. This is
2: a very small matter. Just someone saying... Things. It's not even a vulgar word. I mean, I've heard you know?
0: worse. But yes. uh, your thoughts, Annabelle? <laughs> I, I, I agree,
1: Sohail. I don't think this warrants like yeah. serious discipline. It's not reaction. a discipline, but exists. but but I don't want to note that. I think a lot of people look up to Syed Sadiq for yes. being kind of the progressive voice, right? Mm. I think a lot of people, young and old, look to him for that, and I think um, people really hope that he doesn't kind of succumb to the way things have been done, and I think. More than anything, this will hurt Saeed Sadiq's reputation as a yes. minister. Yes. As cred. Yeah. His
0: image, yeah. All right. And it looks like PKR Vice President Zuraida Kamaruddin has dismissed the claim that the Prime Minister is losing support uh, within uh, Pakatan Harapan. In your opinion, do you think that our Prime Minister has lost the confidence of his colleagues? Sohail? Well, if you take counts of the grassroots members, among them, uh, I
2: think, yes, maybe some of them but if among the leaders, I don't think so because it will be very childish to just lose confidence and uh, not giving support to him because he's not doing that bad, you know. But yes, among uh, the members, especially among DAP and PKR and Amana, I think, maybe they are questioning uh, PM's uh, motive or agendas on certain issues like on Zakir issues mm-hmm. and on reforms issues because the government under uh, Prime Minister right now has not done so much in terms
0: of reforms. Right. And there's always that term that's being bandied about U-turn, U-turn. Yes.
1: Yeah. uh, Annabelle, your thoughts? Yeah, I think... I I, I agree with Sohail to an extent. I don't think... I don't see any indicators of a loss of confidence among say Harapan ministers or Harapan politicians per se uh, the grassroots it might be another issue but also I think we've been seeing a lot of uh, kind of Harapan backbenchers that have been kind of voicing their disagreements with a lot of the prime minister's decisions like mm-hmm. when he called you know dong Zhong racist mm-hmm. when they decided on Linus, uh, on zakinai as well you know the decisions not to deport him and personally I feel that it's healthy I think it's important to not just have people saying yes, yes, yes Mm -hmm. all the time the Prime Minister like anybody else can be questioned Right and
0: uh, would seeing a little infighting within the ruling coalition actually cause support for PH to waver among Malaysians in general what are your thoughts?
1: Mm, Well if you look at like kind of the numbers, right? That like Medica Centre. Harapan's kind of approval rating from last from May nine last year has dropped from like eighty percent, which was like crazy high, to now it's about forty percent, which is like half. So that's one thing, right? Um I don't think it's so much about the infighting. I mean that's not really consequential. That's not a yeah. deal breaker as they call mm-hmm. it. I think it's much more like so how said the reforms like that people expected and again and again we see it not happening, we see it being kind of distracted by all sorts of issues. And and people just want an administration that they can trust. And when you promise all these things, and you keep saying that you can't do it, you keep saying that it's not a you know the manifesto is not set in stone. Yeah. Then or we don't have the money. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Then then yeah. people be like, okay. So should we believe anything you
2: say? No, yeah, they are yeah. frustrated right now mm-hmm. because you know, uh, the 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 harapan is very very high, but <laughs> what have been done, especially on the U mm. uh the U turn is really really hurt lah. Because uh, when you already done something and people already yes, this is the changes. No people want changes when government take over. No new government take over. But right now, in terms of cost of livings, you know things that are direct to the people, that uh, impact, yeah, impact directly us. to the people, it hasn't
0: changed much get a move on causeway congestions urge users we've been you know having congestion on woodlands uh, you know a causeway for many many decades i guess the question is why is it so difficult to hire more staff to man the counters that's the big complaint there are so many counters but not
1: enough people not enough counters open your thoughts annabelle I don't know we have to ask the immigration right (laughs) but time and again I mean even this year you know Mahathir and his ministers met with Lee Sien Loong and his ministers and they were like and I remember this in April I think it was they sat together and they were like you know we're going to solve this we're going to delay the RTS the rapid uh, transit system but we're going to sort out this causeway traffic and we're going to improve the infrastructure improve the CIQ but still I guess based based on this article if they have done any changes um, it obviously hasn't worked as quickly as they hoped or as people hoped. So, I don't know. I think more has to be done, definitely, because people are suffering mm. this every day. So,
2: Hail, your thoughts? Well, it is not easy, first of all, to just hire more people because, uh, first of all, we can see that the Pakistan uh, Harapan governments, whether they admit it or not, they are trying to shrink the numbers of civil servants mm. because... It impacts a lot on the monies, and to add more, it's not really easy, lah. Because they they say they, they got no money,
0: mm. and then if you just hire new people, you need to train them. It's, right? Why it, don't you just transfer some of these? Uh, well, they say the bloat of the civil service. Just transfer them to the causeway. <laughs> I
2: don't know. Possible, <laughs> but it,
0: possible? It, it will take times. It still need trainings
2: mm-hmm. because some people is doesn't do that work, you know, mm. on the counters in immigration. But it is possible.
0: Yeah. Uh, could we consider expanding the causeway physically and the checkpoints as a solution to this problem? Yes,
2: but that's uh, for a uh, long term uh, and that's also if you want to uh, to expand the causeway you need to discuss with Singapore also. To, so mm. that's another issue that's going to take long time because uh, it's going to involve whose money and something like that. But I think the the HSR project should be implemented for this to ease Mm-hmm. What is happening in the Causeway?
1: But even before the HSR, I think honestly right now what is really on the table is the RTS, the Rapid Transit System, which is that you know elevated kind of train that is going to supposed to take you from Bukit Chaga in in yes. Johor Bahru to Woodlands North in Singapore. It's on hold right now. I think Putrajaya is trying to privatise it, trying to reduce the cost. So I think that is. What I think Putrajaya is considering most at this right. point, yes. you know, rather That's than kind priority, of priority, yeah, I guess. rather than expanding the causeway, mm. uh, they want to fix it and suppose they improve it. But I think they also want to build this train thing. Um, but yeah, they, 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 it's on hold right now. so All right, okay, something
0: to definitely watch out for it looks like embattled PERA Executive Council Member Paul Yong-Chu Kyung has finally decided to go on leave from his official duties. He was charged with raping his former Indonesian maid claim trial at the Sessions Court on Friday. So, um, should he have just continued despite all these allegations? Or was this the right thing to do, to go um, on garden leave?
1: I mean, it is the honourable thing to do if you've been charged with a criminal offence. To yeah. But he protested aside. that, you know, yeah. he should yeah. continue, So, you right? know, innocent until We're proven guilty. I think that, that principle definitely stands. But, you know, when there is a criminal charge and you've been charged for it, uh, it is the right thing to step aside. Mm-hmm. I think that, that is the standard, I think, that people expect. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think he
2: he should have just taken leave when he was charged in court. And when Menteri um, Sapirat says that he should take leave, mm-hmm. you know, at the first place, I think this is not uh, voluntarily taking this leave. Because if it is voluntary, he would have just take it, you know, before. And the thing is that there's a lot of hypocrites people we can see after this case uh, happened. Because there are groups of people before this that are fighting for women's rights, especially ones that have been uh, victims. Mm. But after this case happened, some of this group just stay silent because it involves people. Uh, Party politics that they supported, that mm. is hypocrites For me, you know, you should care more about the victims. You know,
0: yes. she must be traumatized. Right. Well, I mean, if it happened. If it, yeah, happened, if it, happened, it happens, yeah. yes. Alleged mm. victims. Uh, yes. Okay. Now, had he, I guess, continued to, um, you know, uh, work, uh, would you personally be willing to work with someone whose reputation has already been tainted? In in something like this Okay I
1: think reputation Is a very delicate thing And especially when you're a politician You take everything With a big bag of salt Not even a grain anymore These days Um, Okay I think First of all Dimitri Bazaar said that he was pretty happy with Paul Yong's work as an ex-girl, right? I don't know how his constituents saw him. I don't know if the Perak people were happy with him. Uh, you know, personally, I don't live in Perak. So um, I think that is one thing. But I think, of course, fundamentally, people should be regarded as innocent until proven guilty. He has been... Of course, this charge kind of hangs over his head. Yes. It's rape, you know, pretty, a pretty serious charge. So I think that has to be definitely taken in, into account. But I think another another... I think point of this case has always been about Paul Young, but we have not heard at all from the, the victim yes. or the alleged victim in this case, which is his an Indonesian um, domestic worker. And we know at least some people believe her because now the Indonesian embassy is kind of speaking on her behalf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that is an important factor to take into account as well. Yeah, yeah Because me personally,
2: I, I'm definitely going to be sceptical. If I'm going to have to work with him, you know. Mm. Yes, of course, fundamentally, innocent until proven guilty. But we must understand that generally AG chambers is not going to put a charge if they do not believe that the crimes doesn't happen or they don't have enough proof. So when the AGC bring it to court, it means that they believe it happens. They are going to fight for the alleged victims. So understanding that if I'm going to have to work with him I'm going to yeah. definitely going to be skeptical that's why it is the smartest move for, for him, him, to him to go to and go leave. On leave
1: but also I think in all cases I mean, no two cases are the same in this case there's a new factor we don't know how true it is of political (laughs) conspiracy right Right. now you know Paul Yong is saying that someone was paid 100,000 ringgit to convince I think the domestic worker to to, to file this rape claim against him so we don't know if it's true and I think Malaysians are not unfamiliar with political conspiracies the past 20 years we've seen so many Um, so I think that's an important factor I I believe most Malaysians when they read this and they see this case they know it's not as simple Mm. you know there's a few things involved okay now, what happened at the KL
0: International Airport should serve as a wake-up call for stakeholders. Um, that technical glitch, you know, left people kind of really delayed on their flights uh, the last couple of days uh, over the weekend. Um, <laughs> and uh, I know it's not a laughing matter, especially if you were kind of waiting to, you know... So
1: sorry, our condolences. <laughs> yes.
0: Okay, well, since Visit Malaysia year is just around the corner, uh, Visit Malaysia 2020, how can KLIA prevent something like this? from happening again. Your thoughts, Annabelle?
1: I think many people are, you know, asking why there was not kind of like a backup system yes. or like, a, you know, contingency plan, you know, I mean, MAHB owns almost all airports in Malaysia and uh, you would expect they would be prepared for something like this, even though it was the first time, you know, so I think um, you definitely need a contingency plan, you know, if mm. something like this happens. it almost saying that
2: if uh, there are cyber attacks happening, you just can't do anything. It's something mm. like, almost thing like mm-hmm. that, you know, because this is, a, this is not just a technical glitch, you know. This is a very serious issue, you know. And they say that it is because of network equipment failure or something. Yeah. Come on, it's not that easy. A, a network equipment
0: just go down simply like that, For you two know? entire airports. Yes. Right. Well, you both are journalists. Have you found out <laughs> <laughs> what the story was behind this glitch?
2: as of right now, they no. are very secretive right now. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no words just yet, but they they can't just oh we have already replaced the equipment so everything's go back to normal. No. Yeah. We need you to You have know. to to know what really happened. You have to take action if there's involve some. Carelessness.
1: I think the transport ministry has yeah actually set up kind of a committee to look into this to find out actually what happened, how could this happen, but now you know MEHB is saying that they're not ruling out malicious kind of right. intent, right? This mm-hmm. could be you know Packers. some kind of conspiracy. Uh, of course, we don't know if that's true. Yes. Um But I mean, whatever it is, I think they need to definitely need a contingency mm-hmm. plan. So yes. you know, in For the, the event of real cyber attacks, you know, which we know is very real in the world yes. that we yes. live in today. That they are prepared because we watch a lot of Hollywood films.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Annabelle and Sohail, thank you so much for joining me this morning on Front Page. Thank you, Shaz.